what we want to do for the next three tonight and the next two after this Thursday nights, we're going to talk about um, the supernatural empowerments of the Lord, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, uh, our superpowers. We are um, we are actually a part of a new race. As soon as Jesus took up residency inside of our hearts, it says that we, in First uh, John, or sorry, it says in John chapter 1, that to those who would believe, He gave the right to become sons of God, not born of man, not born of the will of the husband, or, or of the flesh, but born of the Spirit. And so we're literally reborn. It's not a theory. It's not like a, a fancy way to like attain some higher, you know, level of living or, or mental ascension, it is, it is a fact that you've been reborn of the Spirit and your DNA changed. <clears throat> Jesus' blood runs through you and with that comes all sorts of cool stuff that a lot of people in, in the body of Christ actually um, miss out on. They've been duped by, um, by a Spirit that's telling them that you know, the gifts are no longer for today. That the Holy Spirit, you know, stopped speaking as soon as the, the first century church died off. They've got all sorts of these weird ideas. And what is the, the worst part of it to me is they're actually missing out on the most fun part of what we, what we get to be. Like what we do with the Lord. They're missing out on the goods. They're missing out on a relationship with the Holy Spirit where they get to advance the kingdom and co-partner, co-labor with the Lord. You know the Great Commission? It's a great co-mission. We're actually partnered with God inside of us. The Holy Ghost. When we go out to the mall, cool stuff can happen. We're not just shopping for baby clothes anymore, baby. <laughs> I love my wife, but I told her there's like a seven minute timer on me when we're looking for baby clothes. <clears throat> a lot of people say stuff like, you know, we should seek, um, we should seek the giver and not the gifts. And, you know, I, I know that comes from, like, a, a good heart of, like, wanting to have a, a vibrant relationship with the Lord. Unfortunately, it's just not biblical at all. If you go to 1 Corinthians uh, 12 and 14, it, it says, Eagerly desire the greater gifts, especially that you may prophesy. It, so Paul literally says, I want you to eagerly seek after the ability to move in the greater gifts. He, he says in Romans 1.11, he says to the Roman church, I long that I may come to you, that I may lay hands on you and impart some spiritual blessing to you. That spiritual blessing is an enablement. It's like a new gift. So it can actually be passed on through the laying on of hands or an impartation. Uh, Paul says a similar thing to, to Timothy. He says, Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. When the body of elders laid hands on him and prophesied over him. Timothy got something that he didn't have before. That's cool. Why would Paul tell us to uh, earnestly desire greater gifts if it meant that we couldn't get anything more than what we were born with? That, do, that doesn't make sense, Paul. You're just 
you know, setting us up for failure and disappointment here. <laughs> that, that eagerly desire can just as easily be translated zealously lust after. That's strong language. It can also be earnestly covet. What I know from the Ten Commandments is lusting and coveting ain't good. <laughs> but Paul is giving us permission to covet these gifts. To revere them, to want them, to desire them, to literally lust after them. And when you see someone moving in a gift, it's okay to be like, God, I like that story, but why not me? I want that gift. Give me that gift. I rejoice with my brother that just laid hands on someone. I rejoice with my sister that just made legs grow out, Lord. I've been wanting to see that stuff for a while. Give it to me. Yeah. Come on. <clears throat> and people um, often, uh, they think that the, the, the gifts are going to derail us and, um, and, and get us off into you know, crazy land where we're not grounded in the Word or grounded in the love of God or, you know, where we don't have a, a real relationship with the Lord or enough character to support the weight of these gifts. And <laughs> my, uh, my dad is a really generous man. My dad on earth. He's, I mean, he's just, he's been an excellent example of a fatherly, a heavenly father that has no lack. I'm not saying that we grew up with a lot of money because we didn't, but any, anything that I needed, I had it. Anything that I wanted for, for Christmas, it usually showed up. And he just, he really loved blessing me and my sister. And my favorite present that I ever got was my acoustic guitar. I was, uh, I was you know, trying to learn the guitar on a really junky guitar. <clears throat> And uh, grew up in the church and, and saw the worship team and wanted to be on the worship team because I just wanted to be on stage. It was totally selfish reasons. Um, I wanted to be cool, a rock star. And um, when I was 16, at Christmas, he gave me a Martin guitar. This is a nice guitar. And, you know, for, for a kid that's, like, just learning the guitar and struggling with it, it seems like a pretty um, extravagant first guitar. Don't you think? I mean, it's, it's well over a, a thousand bucks for, for, for this guitar. And in the back of his mind, he, he might be wondering... Um, I really hope Jeremy doesn't stop playing in a month. <laughs> but he gave me the guitar and I absolutely loved it. I was so, so happy Christmas morning when I opened it up and the smell of a Martin guitar. Anyone smell the Martin guitar? Oh, it smelled so good. I was so thankful. It's like, thank you, Dad. Um, but I already loved my dad and my dad already loved me. He didn't actually give me a gift in order to earn my love. And he wasn't expecting me to love him more after I got the gift. And he wasn't, he wasn't hoping that every day from here on out, I call him up and grovel on the phone and thank him and thank him and thank him. That would be a little awkward. 
what he wanted, as any good father wanted, was for me to love this gift and grow with it and really just enjoy it for the rest of my life. And so what I did is I practiced. I got this gift, and I, I mean... I was obsessed. I would sometimes, you know, play in my room three, four hours a day. I would practice and practice and practice and practice. And these doors started opening up for me to lead worship. I was like, this is great. In fact, because of, the, because of that acoustic guitar, I've gone on several mission trips around the world for free. Because it just opened that door for me. Because I really cultivated that gift that my dad gave me. And it became, um, I didn't want to just like manifest the ability to play well or, or, or like write a song. What, what I really wanted to do is have the Lord show up when I would strum that thing. And, um, and my dad, he is, he is my biggest fan still. He's so proud of me when he sees me lead worship And it's honestly because he gave me such an extravagant, great gift. It says in Proverbs 18.16 that a man's gift will bring him before kings. We don't have to make apologies for it. See, I, um, I actually like teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit because when, when people start functioning in the gifts and start practicing their ability to hear God for other people, they'll go out and do a couple cool things and get really pumped up about it and go out and do more, some, some more things. But what happens every time, I see it every single time, is they discover that manifesting a gift or manifesting an anointing is no longer enough. They want to manifest the man, Jesus Christ. And they become obsessed with getting, with getting that guy to walk into a room. That's why I don't mind teaching on the gifts <clears throat> and telling people to run after them because the gifts will actually trick us into being obsessed with getting Jesus. We're going to talk um, just real briefly tonight about um, the prophetic. There are three different uh, places in Scripture where it lists out uh, gifts pretty clearly to us. Romans 12, verse 6 through 8, it mentions prophecy, the gift of mercy. Hello, it's a gift. Shaba, you ever run into someone that seems like he's the, he's the guy that is like the subject of slander all the time? He's, he's the one, like, getting all the accusation thrown against him. It's because he has a gift of mercy. He's actually swallowing all of that sin. <clears throat> That's deep waters. We'll get into it later. Okay. <clears throat> there is a gift of healing, which is awesome. We saw some uh, healings today. There's a gift of teaching. Uh, great. I'm not going to go through all of these things, but exhortation and giving and leading... Isn't it cool that it's both Romans 12, 8 and Corinthians 12, 8? Anybody ever get some revelation on those numbers? All right, email me when you do. Uh, 
There's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, healing, miracles, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues, helps, and administration. Tonight we want to talk about the prophetic gifts. So um, which, which of these got, uh, do you guys think fall under the realm of the prophetic? Prophecy. What? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> What else? Yeah, yeah. Words of wisdom. What do you think a word of wisdom is? Future. Whenever you speak. <laughs> well, thank you, Vincent. Now, um, <clears throat> a word of wisdom is like a heavenly strategy that is so timely for someone's life. Like you, you don't, you don't know the problem that that person is in in the natural. But you walk up to him and, and you give him like, you know what? You're called to be, uh, to start a store where you, you sell exotic shoes. Who had that word? The shoes thing. It's, it's a word of wisdom. And it really fired her up when you said, you know, you have a call to the marketplace. That is a great word of wisdom. It's somewhat mingled with the word knowledge. But what it did is it gave her direction for her life. Okay, word of knowledge. Oh. Do you yeah, yeah. <laughs> Word knowledge, what's that? Oh man, that's actually all that's in my bank account. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm playing, playing, playing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's when you just simply know something, a fact about a stranger that you'd have no earthly knowledge of. You know, you, you don't know it in the natural. You never met him before. Or maybe you do know him, but you definitely don't know this about him. And the Lord just tells you something about him. And that's really cool because it builds faith like crazy. I had, um, I had a word of knowledge. Uh, my, actually, my first word of knowledge ever. I was at Morningstar School of Ministry and they forced us to go out and do miracles. They, gave, they would give us lists of miracles we had to go and accomplish before we could move on. Seriously. Isn't that, isn't that who we are? Yeah. Why would we just teach it and not require you to do it? Okay, so um, I, have to, I have to get an accurate word of knowledge about something that's wrong in someone's body and then heal them and get their testimony on my phone of them getting healed and take it to class. And so... <laughs> I go to Walmart with my uh, faith course partner, and um, we end up in the canned food aisle, you know, looking like we're shoplifting canned food, and <clears throat> just kind of like pacing back and forth like, Lord, felt like you said canned food aisle. Here we are. We're in between, we're like in the bean section <laughs> for like 10 minutes. And this woman, you know, comes down the aisle and she's pushing her cart. And while she got close to me, I felt my heart do something I've never felt it do before. It was a weird, like, and um, I was like, that's got to be it. So I stopped her and I said, ma'am, when you walked by me, I felt my heart do something weird. <laughs> and she's, she's like a pretty, a pretty lady, like in her 40s. And she's like, are you a cougar hunter? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I mean, she didn't say that, but that's what she was thinking. I could see it on her face. I was like, what, I'm, what I mean is you have heart palpitations. You're on medication for it, like help you, irregular heartbeat. And she's like, how do you know that? 
I said, well, when you walked by the Lord, let me feel in my heart what it feels like in your heart when it happens. And there's power present. If I lay my hands on you right now, you'll get healed. And um, I was like, can I pray for you? And she's like, like really freaked out. And I do the, the, uh, um, the newbie mistake and I close my eyes and I put up my hand <laughs> and it never stops against the back. And I open my eyes and she's running down the aisle with her cart getting away from me. Really freaked her out. And I was so upset I needed her testimony on my phone. <clears throat> But after that, I was like, mm-hmm, this is going to be cool. Um, what else? What else do you think falls under? Interpretation. Yeah, interpretation of tongues is pretty, pretty prophetic. Don't you think? You, you actually have to, someone speaks in tongues, and you, you kind of hear words in your own language. That's, that's definitely uh, falls under the prophetic. What else? Yes, what's discernment? Discernment. Discerning of spirits. Yeah, it's, it's when you can, um, you have an innate ability to tell what kind of angel just flew in the room. You have a, uh, just a, a natural ability to understand um, that when someone is acting like a jerk, it was actually because they have um, a, a demon of trauma attached to them from being abused as a child. Right? Is that deep waters? It's, that stuff is real. And so, <clears throat> discerning of spirits is, is definitely a, uh, falls under the prophetic, helps in administration, man, so important. Um, but these are gifts given for free. And we don't have an insecure father that is like hoping, and you know, that these gifts like make us fall in love with him. He actually gives us these gifts so that we can go and practice them and go change the world and have a great time doing it. Right? I want to have a great time changing the world. I have a, a, a father, actually my big brother, Jesus, who said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. Life more abundantly. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you'd have life. And so, <clears throat> these gifts help us have really fun lives. It's not just the only reason why we operate in the prophetic, although uh, it is fun to operate in the prophetic. There are other reasons. Why do we prophesy, guys? Ooh. Yes. Isn't that cool? You thought we were all out of room? <laughs> Encourage. Yeah. What else? Edify. What does that mean? It's pretty much encourage. <laughs> now you, you build them up. It, it, I'm going to write it down. I'm sorry. I was just joking. <laughs> Why, why else would we want to prophesy to people? Establish, Establish them? A testimony Ooh, I hear someone quoting one of my favorite verses. Do you know where that is, Becca? Very close. 1 Corinthians 14.3. It says, Everyone who prophesies speaks to men for strengthening... 
or edification, strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Well, I thought the I thought the prophecy was for like exposing, causing people to repent and feel bad about themselves. <laughs> What's with this strengthening, encouragement, and comfort thing? It's just what the Bible says, guys. When we prophesy, we're speaking to men for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. That's 1 Corinthians 14.3. We also prophesy to people to save the lost. It's 1 Corinthians 14.24. Actually, that's one of my favorite verses. It says, And falling on his face, he will declare that God is truly among you. If an unbeliever comes into your meeting and you prophesy, the secrets of his heart are revealed. He'll fall on his face and declare that God is truly among you. Face plant salvations are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen one. I'd like to see a whole lot more. Come on, Jesus. To release the testimony of Jesus, Revelation 19.10 says the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus for equipping the saints. This is another one of my favorite verses. I'm going to write it down. This is like real important. Oops. I just drew a blank. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the building up of the body of Christ, the equipping of the saints, till we all reach unity, the mature measure, the stature that is of Christ. And so when people say things like, well, the gifts died away, well, we can just go to this verse. I mean, you, you don't want to make them like, feel stupid, but <laughs> sometimes you might. No, you don't want to make them feel stupid, but it says in, in Ephesians 4.11 that the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, all these empowered positions in the body of Christ will not pass away until the church reaches the unity of the faith. It's the worldwide church unified. I love the church. Oh, I love her. I love the bride. But I can be honest and say she is not unified. She is dis disjointed and torn apart just like Jesus on the cross right now. But we're putting her back together. We're all coming back together. We become the body. He supplies the blood. Um, <clears throat> until we all reach the unity of faith to the full stature, the full measure, the stature that is of Christ. Are we walking in the fullness of the things that Jesus walked in? No. And let's take it further. Jesus said that you're going to do greater things than me. So, we can rightly say that the prophetic, the apostolic, the gifts of the Holy Spirit will not pass away until the church looks just like Jesus and is doing greater things than Him and is unified. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Okay. I'm just blazing through some of this stuff real quick. If you have your Bibles or iPhones or any phone with a Bible program on it, open up to Luke 11, please. We're going to end, just camp out here for a little bit.
Luke 11, verse 5 says, Suppose one of you has a friend who comes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has come to me on a journey. I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers and said, I'm in bed, my children in bed are in bed with me, and the door's already locked. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you the truth, though this man, not because this man is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness or importunity or persistence, it says in some different translations, because of this man's boldness, he's going to get up and give him anything. So I say unto you, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. And then it goes on to say, which one of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, there's a switch right there because that, they were just talking about bread. But Jesus went from bread to the Holy Spirit. So, like, this guy comes to his neighbor's house at like three in the morning and he's asking for bread. <laughs> How's bread look? It's like, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good piece of bread right there. <laughs> I like to draw, draw, draw. <laughs> So he's asking for three. What? Does that look like bread? Yeah. You, want, you want hot from the oven? <laughs> Toaster. Okay. It's hot from the oven. He's asking for three pieces of bread. And he's not asking for them for himself. Who's he asking them for? Okay, so... How many of you guys have heard the verse, asking you'll receive, seeking you find, knocking the door will be open to you, interpreted as, if you need anything from God, ask him. Seek hard. Keep knocking. He'll give it to you. That is a true thing, but that is not what this uh, section of Scripture is talking about at all. It says, when you come to, it'd be like, okay, I'm asleep. It's three in the morning. All my kids are asleep, and someone is knocking on the door. I'm like, what in the world? You're going to wake up my babies. I go and open the door, and it's a dude like three houses down. I've talked to one time, and I give him the, the courtesy neighbor wave when we mow our lawns. I'm like, hey, Bob, Bob, it's three in the morning. We're like, why? What? And he's like, oh, man, I'm so I, my family just showed up out of the blue. They've come on hard times, and I actually am in hard times myself. I have no, I have no food. They're like starving. They've got kids. Hook me up with some food, please. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's three in the morning. And if I, I mean, he's already been so bold to knock on the door. I don't want him to wake up my kids. And so it's not because he's my friend, not because he's my neighbor. It's really because of his boldness. I'm like, this dude needs help. But he's asking for the bread for someone else. What does bread represent in Scripture? John chapter 6, Jesus says like 12 times, I am the bread that came down from heaven. <laughs> manna came down from heaven. is bread from heaven. Jesus says things like, your forefathers ate manna in the desert and they died, but he who eats of this bread will live forever. And he says, I'm the bread, I'm the bread, I'm the bread, I'm the bread, I'm the bread. 
over and over and over in one chapter. And so um, we also know that he is, he is the word. It's actually the words of God that sustain us, right? When he speaks a word to us, it's like apples of gold and settings of silver. That's what it says in, in Proverbs. An apple of gold sustains us. That's a timely, aptly spoken word. I love that little pun. When you translate it into English, an aptly spoken word is like apples of gold. Who thought of that? God. So, <laughs> I love puns. Um, and so, Jesus flips it later on in that little section of Scripture, and he says, if, um, which one of you fathers, though you're evil, uh, if a son asks for uh, uh, something, you're going to give it to him, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so, this is actually the best, to my knowledge, this is the best parable to highlight what the prophetic Ministry really is. We don't really have anything in and of ourselves to give strangers. I mean, all, all, all wisdom and mysteries come from the Father. I mean, to us. But without Him, we got nothing. And so when someone comes to us on a long journey and He says, I, you know, I'm just, I'm starving. I need something. And you're like, okay. I know where to get something. And you go, all right, Lord, give me something for this guy. I got, I've got nothing for my, you know, within myself. But I, I have nothing to set before him for myself. But I'm seeking, I'm knocking, give me something for this guy. And this section of scripture actually says that he will give it. Every time. He said, I mean, if, which one of you fathers, even though you're evil, wouldn't give good gifts to your children. How much more is your heavenly father? And so it's like this guarantee that when someone comes to us and we're hung and they're hungry, you can go and you can pound on God's door at three in the morning and he's going to give you something. Isn't that cool? It's the persistent widow. So one time... Uh, we, we do uh, prophetic booths where people come in who, who need to be encouraged in the Lord. And so they sit down, we pray for them, we get words from God. And this one time, this woman named Janet came in and I, I just felt like, I, I remembered when I rebelled from the Lord and it broke my mom's heart and she was praying me back into the kingdom. And I was like, that's a weird memory come up. Maybe it's for her. And then uh, um, I remember reading John Wimber's book, Power Healing. And then I felt this weird pain in my elbow. And so I said to her, Ma'am, I feel like you have a 19-year-old son. He grew up in the church, but he's rebelling against God, and he's a musician. You're trying to pray him back to the kingdom. The Lord wants you to know that he's going to bring him back. Instant tears. She has a 19-year-old son. That's the age that I rebelled, and I'm a musician. And so I just I took that memory and said, the Lord's talking to me through my own memory. I gave it to her. It was dead on. She's already crying. And I said... And you know, I feel like you have a healing gift. You've laid hands on tons of people, never seen anyone healed. And it's like that book, Power Healing by Jan Wimber. And she's like, I've read that book. You know how many people have read that book? Not a lot of people. Not this day and age. Back in the 70s and 80s? Yes. <clears throat> and so I was like, you just keep doing it. You're going to see breakthrough. And so she's so encouraged. And I said, and I, I feel like you have this nerve damage in your elbow. It feels like you hit your funny bone all the time. And it's shooting, burning pain up and down your arm. And she's like, I've been going to doctors for 10 years trying to get rid of that. <laughs> How do you know this? 
She's like, I've gone to specialists to try to get this funny bone burning sensation out of my arm. You know how much that would just stink? Holy cow. I was like, you need to get healed. Anybody hit their funny bone really hard? 10 years of that? Woo. And so I was like, well, the reason I, I, the Lord told me about it is because there's power present to heal you right now. If we lay hands on you, you're going to get healed. And so we laid hands on her. And what happened? Yeah, the pain left her that moment. She actually emailed the church uh, a couple months later and said, my life changed since I went in that prophetic booth and that young man healed my elbow. The pain left that day and never came back. And so she actually came in and gave that testimony from the stage. And you know what that did for our church? Encouraged everyone. Really built everyone's faith up in the whole church. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 14 that everyone can prophesy one at a time, that all may be encouraged and all may be edified. It's because like, when, when, we're, when we're prophesying over someone and it's dead on and they're you know, crying and getting healed, everyone is watching it happen. So the person giving the word is edified because holy cow, I hear from God. The person getting healed is edified because wow, they got healed. That's awesome. And everyone in the church is like, God speaks. <laughs> I've got, I've got one more story that's going to rock your dock. I've got a buddy. His name is Rick Stoker. He, he's out on the East Coast. He's got a ministry to the homeless and poor. And he uh, ended up, he needed, he needed a pretty big facility because he wanted to house the poor, give him places to sleep and shower and actually live long term um, until they like, figure something out. But he, it's cool. He just doesn't kick people out unless they're like doing something illegal. And so... Um, he goes after this property that's, um, how much did he say it was? It was, it, the, the property itself was like several million dollars. Yeah, it was several million dollars. And the Lord whispered to him while he's meeting with the owner, he's going to give it to you for um, one-tenth the price. And so he named one-tenth the price. And he's like, I'm willing to, to pay you this for the whole property. And the guy laughed at him. Meeting over, two days later, calls him up and says, I'll take your offer. The Lord actually spoke to the owner and said, sell it to him. And so now he's got this property and he's buying up the houses around the property. And there's this one uh, house that he wants to get and, um, you know, to, to, to house more people. And, uh, but there's actual, you know, people living in there that aren't part of the ministry. They're just, you know, part of the neighborhood. And so... Um, the woman who owns the house ends up calling Rick and saying, hey, I know you want my house um, and I'm willing to sell it to you right now for, for $100,000. And Rick said, well, the Lord told me uh, you were going to give it to me for free. That's, that's some boldness right there. <laughs> Don't make a theology out of that. <laughs> and so she gets a little bit indignant and she's like... <clears throat> If the Lord can tell you that, he can tell you where I am, what I'm doing, what I'm wearing, and what I'm thinking. And if you can tell me that, then the house is yours. And Rick said he just inhaled and started speaking. And he said, you're wearing blue jean shorts, purple flip-flops with hearts on them, a blue striped shirt. You have a purse that looks like this. The contents of the purse is this this, this, you have another cell phone in your purse. 
The reason you're calling, uh, the reason you have that other cell phone is so that you can speak to um, the man that you're cheating on your husband with. In fact, you're down there cheating on your husband right now in South America. Names the city that she's in and says, what, you're thi- what you were thinking about is how your taxes were due yesterday and you need to turn them in. And he said that the number... Oh yeah, and he knew the number for the other cell phone, listed out the seven-digit number for that cell phone. She is freaked out, convicted, just found out that a prophetic man of God knows that she's cheating on her husband, and she's in a South American country right now, and FedEx is the deed to him the next day. That's, that's what I call, like, multiplying fishing bread. <laughs> that's, that's going fishing and pulling taxes out of a fish's mouth. That's demonstrating that there is a kingdom of heaven that is invading the domain of darkness, is invading earth. What we're going to do right now, I hope I just whet your appetite. Come the next couple Thursdays, we're going to keep talking about the prophetic. Next week and, and the week after that, we're going to uh, talk about um, healing and, and miracles and stuff like that. I love that there's a gift listed on there that's just called miracles.